Welcome to After Hours on a uh, muggy Sunday night. I've known Jerry Brennan for some time and uh, met him, I think, not when he wrote his uh, first book, but when he started Tortoise Books. And we'll talk a little about Tortoise Books and a lot about the latest in his series that (laughs) it's part of the Altered Space series, and it's about space. I'm just going to read you the beginning of his latest book, Alone on the Moon, a Soviet Lunar Odyssey. Ready? We cannot see anything through the windows of our spacecraft. We are coasting through cosmic space between the Earth and Moon. One might expect glorious vistas, the cloud-mottled blue of our home, the intricately pockmarked gray of our destination. But our orientation's wrong for that. The nose of the spaceship is pointed at the moon, and the whole assembly spinning slowly about the roll axis, like a pig roasting on a spit. So the various portholes are taking their turns, pointing at the blinding sun, or off into the blackness of space. Jerry Brennan, welcome to the show. That's nice writing. Thank you, Rick. This whole space series, I'd love to tell you, we are not the same age. I'm considerably (laughs) older than you. but, But what has spurred, what fired your interest in space? For me, at one point, it was not just seeing the moon landing. It was it was it was actually seeing the right stuff. That's yeah. what did it for me. I haven't written any books about it, but it but that's what that's what first really hooked me. We we have that in common actually because I, the right stuff was the first movie I saw in the theaters when it came out in 1983, and I was absolutely blown away. I was um, you know I was just. You know, you know, it's a it's a fantastic piece of history as myth making. Sure, sure. You know, and it, it it really just sucks you in. And as a historian, I came to kind of realize, like, okay, they fudged this, they did this, you know. But you appreciate it as a storyteller. Um, and so I was just absolutely wrapped, like watching that movie. My mom said I talked about it for two solid weeks afterwards, <laughs> and then. Um, did you read the book? I did read the book Eventually, later, yeah. and it is one of the few cases where I think the movie's better. But then um, in 86, you know, a lot of people forget that the Challenger disaster sure. happened within 48 hours of the Bears winning the Super Absolutely. Bowl. Yeah, and it was, the first, it was the first world event where I can remember exactly where I was. I was in third grade, and I... I can remember just that hesitation in the principal's voice. When he announced it to, yeah, the, to the whole Yeah, because we'd been following in the, the oh, weekly readers, like, oh, the teacher's going up, the teacher's going up. We're like, oh, wow, you know. And then, you know, he just, you know, Principal Tantillo in uh, Our Lady of the Wayside in, in the suburbs here. And he just didn't, like, you heard that hesitation, like, he just didn't know how to tell us. Um, and so I had this, you know, big space tragedy but then my family, my father, God bless him, was a um, a super successful executive. We moved to Orlando um, Close in '87, yeah. and I believe we watched the first post Challenger launch. Yeah, because there was a lag after the yeah, Challenger. That yeah, was... about two and a half years. So wow. Um, yeah, so a lot of triumph and tragedy in my uh, space. Well, because you've them. devoted. I mean, you have devoted your writing talents to 
outer space, and basically, not to make the, light of it, to outer space. Yeah, for the, for the past nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, well, we'll get into the book in in more detail. You're a, a West Point grad, mm-hmm. and you're a Columbia University journalism school yep. grad. Did you want? I mean, I'm dead serious <laughs> about this. Did you want to be an astronaut at any point? I did. Yes, um, very early. You and would then, think West Point might be a, a path. Yeah, but my uh, my eyes were bad, so I kind of knew um, I kind of knew long before that I wouldn't uh, be quite on that path. But um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was something that was on my mind very much. As so a kid, you didn't so. go on the path going to Columbia and studying journalism. You didn't go on the path to want to be a reporter, did you? <laughs> I you know at the time. Um, <clears throat> I'm a I'm a recovering alcoholic now. At the time, I was not a recovering alcoholic, and just the notion of asking people questions <laughs> was was terrifying to me. I've I've done a lot of reporting for these books. You know, I've, I've put oh the my skills god, to we'll use talk about the research. It but, must be um, intense and, and yeah. deep. Yeah, deep. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Jerry Brennan in the next segment about how he came to found tortoise books uh, his books uh and i've had you on to talk about not all in this series but this last one is just brilliant i think we've been on talked about a couple in the series uh, these books could be published by any publisher who was smart enough to grab them uh they're published by his own imprint tortoise books we'll talk more about tortoise books and more about uh, i won't read anymore but we'll talk about alone on the moon a soviet lunar odyssey and what it's like to to sometimes write about to fictionalize real people that that i'm fascinated with that i'm fascinated with so please please stay tuned welcome back we're talking about writing and we're talking about outer space and we're talking about publishing jerry brown when did you start tortoise books and why um but in 2012 that could be four hours i'm sure yeah, yeah yeah long story short in 2012 i had a i had a manuscript that i had shopped around and I had gotten it in front of agents and I'd only gotten it in front of people where there was like a friend of a friend kind of connection and then it was like oh my gosh this is great we never get stuff that's in this good a shape and I got ghosted by a couple and like never got an explanation and I was like I was getting married and I had a baby on the way and I was like you know what I should get this out um just and then I was but my gut told me there were other people in the same boat no question. And so, yeah, my first two authors, uh, Gianno Cromley, he had an agent, and he was butting heads with the agent about how to edit his book. Um, and he's done two books with us now. And Darren Doyle had already had a book on St. Martin's, but, you know, if it doesn't, I don't know if it just didn't sell or whatever. But Well, in, in some know. cases for the big printers, it's just simply not promoted correctly. Yeah, yeah. That's a big yeah. part of it. So you started Tortoise Books. On the website, and you can, ladies and gentlemen, go to uh, tortoisebooks.com and you can see a lot of it. But he says, Jerry writes, Tortoise Books focuses on quality, not quantity. I have had a number of your authors on joe peterson is one dimitri samarov is another and do not look up tortoise books look up the address and 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 bury this guy in the manuscript of your aunt's uh, story (laughs) about uh, growing up in the old town or something uh it's been successful is it not i mean it's got to be hard it's i mean we have a distributor now like we have you know to me getting a distributor was really fantastic just because there's only so much you can do yourself yeah you know like we've got a lot of 
fantastic indie bookstores here in Chicago, like Bookseller and uh, Bookends and Beginnings and Evanston, Women and Children First. Like we've got a lot of really good friends. Um, but there's only so many people you can call and ask to stock your books. So, like, what do you look for? That's a kind of broad umbrella. <laughs> I'll yeah. give you Twitter's book on quality, not quantity. <laughs> <clears throat> what is it? Are you simply looking at if a manuscript comes in? I'm sure you get a number of manuscripts. Oh, yeah. Is it something if if you like it, you'll publish it? It's. You know, I, I try to I try to read what comes in, or um, we have a couple editors that um, I'll farm stuff off to them if I can't get to everything. Um, the stuff has to kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, like, keep reading me, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of B plus stuff out there, yeah. and you know, God bless them, you know, it's 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 hard to get to that point. You know, I'd rather read a B plus book than an F book, but. Um, you know, I don't want to publish anything unless it's unless I just can't bear the thought of somebody else publishing it. Well, know? but also something that you publish, you want to be proud of what you publish. Oh, yeah. Of no course. question. Yeah. But you also talk to me a little about. I know you were out at uh, at Pitchfork. Yeah. I don't know if any other booksellers or publishers <laughs> were out at Pitchfork, but I find that really intriguing because that's a younger crowd that you don't assume is a book buying crowd. I, I, forgive my, you know, the, the low opinion. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, it's also, you have to have, when you publish some commercial considerations too, do you not? I mean, you're in the business of making a profit. You're not, yeah, you're not yeah. a lottery winner who's tossing their dough away. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Pitchfork. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a shirt from the National, which is a favorite band of mine. Um, in music, it's a lot more common for people to kind of start their own record labels if sure, they don't, especially these days. Know, yeah, yeah, if they if they don't have an outlet, and I feel like in books it's a little more like looked down upon, but. Um, but Pitchfork, I mean, you know, people people do love books in the indie crowd, and, like, that's our vibe, too, like, is, you know, trying to make indie publishing as hip as indie rock. You know? <clears throat> well, so. What was the interaction like with the crowd? Um, Had was, you been at Pitchfork before, or was this your first time? I mean, I, I'd been there as an attendee a lot. Right, right, right. Yeah, I a... hadn't sold books there. Um, it was nice. It was, you know, there were some, there were, you know, sometimes you see friends that you haven't seen in years, sure. you know, um, and it was... Uh, you know, it was. It's a little different than like Litfest because like Litfest people are there to buy to books. buy books. Yeah, and Pitchfork sometimes people are like, I don't want to carry this around all day. So, <laughs> hey, here's a free bag. Here's a free. <laughs> yeah. ba- here's a free bag to carry it in. You, uh, your latest uh, alone on the moon, a Soviet lunar odyssey. There's deep, deep research involved in this thing, I think, yeah. because it reads, I mean, just just that opening paragraph I read is not something you can just dream up, I don't think. No. Uh, what What is your research? Where do you go? Um, I, you know, you always go for primary sources, you know, as a historian and, a, and, a, and a, you know, to the extent that I'm a journalist, you know, you try to you get are. to the source. Um I reread uh, Michael Collins's memoirs. Um, the astronaut, yeah, yeah, sure, um, sure. Fantastic guy. I actually got to meet him back in 2016. Um, Through your West Point connection? or, uh, or No, or a group. Just... Um, there's a fantastic group called, um, I forget the, Nova Graphics, I think, in, in Tucson. And they do a space fest where you can meet a lot of the astronauts and mm. stuff. Um, but I... 
this one, you know, the Soviet ones were a little tougher because my narrator, Boris Volinov, um, is not as well known as some of the uh, some you're, of the other Yuri Gagarin or yeah. somebody who yeah. you've written about too. Yeah, and him, I actually tracked down um, a researcher in the Netherlands, Bert Vies, that a lot of people had cited him in their books, and um, actually got um, you know he gave me some transcripts of interviews with with uh, Volinov that I was able to. Oh, those must have been very helpful or oh, helpfully inspiring. Yeah. yeah, you you write in the back. I I wanted to visit Moscow before I wrote this, but COVID <laughs> came and all that stuff. I can understand why you wouldn't want to visit Moscow. I'm thinking maybe Dmitry Samarov, who is one of your authors and is is a, yeah. a Russian Jew, yeah. gave you tremendous insights into one of your characters, he, or both he, of them. He gave me um, brief but tremendously helpful advice, which was to read uh, Life and Fate by Vasily Grossman, which is a, a hugely underappreciated book. He was... Uh, he was a war correspondent, and he basically wrote, you know, World War II's War and Peace from, you know, and not like Tolstoy wrote War and Peace, right. like years after the war. And Grossman wrote it from firsthand experience as a correspondent, and it was suppressed by the authorities. And it was like smuggled out of, oh, wow. of Russia on like mimeographed versions or whatever. And it's, it's a and you fantastic love, and book. And you love yeah. that book. Yeah, yeah, it was excellent, excellent help. When you're writing about <laughs> real people, this isn't, I, I don't, you can't label this science fiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, I do, you don't either, do you? I, I try to call it literary alternate history science fiction. Okay. Literary okay. alternate historical science well, fiction. Well, because Americans are the only people to have landed on the moon. Yeah. Among, yeah. Among many differences in here. Uh there are two. The two main characters in this book are one of the guys was not supposed to go up, and that yeah. is that's a fascinating thing <laughs> that all of a sudden he is called upon to do this yeah. once in a lifetime yeah. kind of thing, and they don't get along. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the really <laughs> fascinating subtexts of the book. Uh, did that happen? Was that? In your initial conception, or did well, they... Volinov, actually, frankly, I picked him because my uh, sobriety date is December 18th and is his birthday. <laughs> That's um, great. That's and great. I, I didn't know very much about him at all. Um, but he, he survived one of the most harrowing events. I forget, you know, it was a Soyuz 4 or 5 mission, um, and he survived a very harrowing reentry. But his career up to that point, once I started researching him, was just constant like disappointment. Like he, like um, you're going up, but no, yeah, we're canceling that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was just, I could just imagine just how frustrating that would be, because um, they didn't, they, you know, I mean, you're talking about the right stuff. Our astronauts were famous for two years before they launched. Oh back God, then. yeah, sure. Yeah, they were getting parades and and Sally Ram danced naked for them in the yeah, in the Astrodome. Yeah. <laughs> And cosmonauts were anonymous before they launched, so they didn't have all the privileges. They didn't have... Yuri Gagarin was an anonymous junior lieutenant when he launched, and nobody knew who he was. And then 48 hours later, he's on top of the mausoleum with Khrushchev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They are fascinating, fascinating characters, I will tell you that. You have a real... I don't want to call it a... 
in many ways, there is a great deal of romance in this book, not between so many characters, but, but between men and space. Am I making too much of that, or am I reading too much into that? I I, I sense it from no, you too. I, yeah, well, I think it is something we romanticize because it's oh, a blank slate. You yeah, know? yeah. And um, I one of the big influences on this book too was uh, Andrew Chaikin, whose uh, whose book on Apollo is is just one of the one of the standard texts on Apollo, and he you know and he talks about like the the journey in our heads that we have, you know, of uh, you know because we haven't experience that and and everything else in human experience you know there's so many stories that you know it gets demythologized a little bit and i think space that isn't quite the case because you know most of us haven't had the chance to go so well you know and most of most people's uh, theories and feelings about outer space is come from star trek or something <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and they really yeah. do i mean not yeah. from the right stuff they come from star trek and and crazier kinds of things yours is yeah is really grounded i think in 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 reality and your embellishment of or your imaginative take on the reality of it yeah yeah trying to be empathetic and um i i aim with the with the real people i i aim for respect but not reverence is kind of my guideline it's like i wouldn't want to have them doing something really shameful that they wouldn't have done but you know, you're trying you want, to respect the details of their lives. And you also and, want to give them yeah. some creative freedom, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, that's the voice of Jerry Brennan. The book is called Alone on the Moon, a Soviet lunar odyssey. If you read this, you will then go back and read the rest in the series. <laughs> is This is not the last in the series, is it? I think it's the last one. There's the uh, some of my space author friends have been prompting me to to write more, which is nice well, is is fantastic to hear. That's also that's um, what I need. But, yeah. I need some more space author friends. <laughs> uh, we have to get some news, and uh, I'll ask Jerry to stick around and talk some more about this book and uh, the other things that are going on at Tortoise Books. We'll be back. Welcome back. I'm going to read another couple paragraphs from Alone on the Moon, a Soviet lunar odyssey. Jerry Brennan's latest. A book in a series, and perhaps his last, but perhaps not. His uh, space author friends are bugging him to write more. <laughs> I'm just going to read this, Jerry, then I want you to put it in perspective. It comes from the very middle of the book. He makes his way down deliberately at first, then with exuberance in inverse, inverse proportion to the number of rungs left on the ladder. For there is very little left that could go wrong. He stands for a moment on the ladder's footpad. He tests the soil with a single boot. There it is. He has touched the moon. All those alarmist theories, dust like quicksand, ready to swallow him whole the second he steps off. He already thought they were wrong. Now he smiles, for he knows for sure. Then, one step, two steps. Frame that for me. <laughs> um, well, it's just, it's really wonderful writing, thank you, too. I'll tell thank you. you. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of, there were a lot of paranoid theories about what would happen when we landed on the moon. And, um, you know, I've read, I've read a lot of the astronaut memoirs, not nearly as much as some people have, but, um, like Buzz Aldrin, for instance, there was a theory that the dust would explode once they reoxygenated the lander, and so just um, yeah, you know, I, I you know I just tried to you know, 
One thing I did learn from journalism school that was useful was that um, maybe 10% of what you learn ends up going in the story. And, you know, you do so much research and you don't use all of it, but just, you know, you might need to read a book or two just to get that paragraph. Sure, exactly, exactly. You also write in, in your book this fine novel, I've been drawn to space writing in part because it makes plotting simple. <laughs> your mission is your story. And to historical writing, because there's no need to come up with characters. That is so well put. And it, uh, it certainly gives an incredible foundation. When you think, uh, Jerry Brennan, about uh, space, and I know you must think about it all the time, and I don't know if you dream about it, but what, what occurs to me is that I don't know if it frustrates you. When I read about, I am nowhere near the space fan that you are. When I read about, well, let's let's colonize Mars. Let's like build a big city <laughs> on Mars. And I, I wonder, it, it seems almost to me like the moon has been ignored. It, it very much so. Very oh, okay. much so. Um, I mean, it's only three days away. You know, if anything goes wrong, like we can get people back quickly. You know, versus and and the thing about Mars that I mean, we have a place on Earth that's difficult to live, and you can't go outside very easily, and not a lot of people live there. It's called Antarctica. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we don't have a million people living in Antarctica. So what makes us think we're going to have a million people on Mars? I mean, it's a nice. What do you think that is? You think it's like American arrogance or? or- <sighs> It's yeah. Well, I I think it's arrogance. I think it's this um, billionaire ego thing where people think that they can just um, and and I think too like if you've got that much money and you're eager to go something somewhere else, like that tells you what it must be like having a lot of money. Like you can't like can't just be here and enjoy the earth like you got well or you know the the people with that kind of money you can't just be here and use your money to make it easier for other people to live (laughs) to live on earth yeah uh this is your full-time job is it not no no i actually have a nine to five uh what do you do i work at a law firm in the loop what do you do Um, there like financial system stuff um you know database uh yeah a lot of uh I help out the the billers and the the accounting team. And do the lawyers at the firm know what you do on the side? A couple of them. Yeah. Okay. So. You're not embarrassed by it. That's for sure. No, I think no, you, no. You can a, be. You know, Jerry. Yeah. You know, we've known each other for a while. Not well. We're not great friends or anything. But I, it, what you've done with Tortoise Books is, I think, uh, really amazing. Thank you. I really do. How many Thank books you. have this Tortoise published? I think we're about at forty now. Um, I always have to kind of go back and do the math. We've got three on the slate for this fall that are really fantastic. What are they? I think this is um, a memoir called Strip by a woman, Hannah Sward. Um, just fantastic memoir of like growing up and becoming a crystal meth addict and sex work and you know just a lot of really crazy stuff. Um, J.M. Kutzi actually blurbed it. You know, oh, wow. It really a, yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. And then um, how did that book come to you? Um, <laughs> that initially came through a blind submission, and then she actually took it back to shop it around a little bit. Um, and she actually paid me for the editing because she felt bad. Um, but I, you know, I, I 
a little part of me was mad, but I kind of left the door open. Is she from Chicago? Um, she lived here for a while. And then she um, she shopped it around and had a couple of things fall through with agents. And then she, she brought it back and I paid her the editing money back because I, I was so happy to have that book hmm. back. I can't wait just, to read it. Oh, it's what fantastic. Are, what are the yeah. other two? Um, Christine Sneed edited this fantastic... Yeah, yeah, she edited... um, It's kind of Me Too and Time's Up themed uh, collection. Um, Fantastic set of uh, of, uh, female authors. Essays? Yeah. No, no. They're uh, stories, but around that theme. Mm. And um, that's Mm. actually coming out close to the fifth anniversary of like the the weinstein uh, allegations coming out wow, so. f- wow fifth anniversary yeah yeah wow. and then um we have a book uh letch by sarah lipman which is um just a really fantastic uh abortion related book actually mm. um about a woman in uh, upstate new york um yeah really fantastic so. Give me your take on the, uh, the state of the publishing industry these days. It seems insane <laughs> to me, Jerry. It's I was I was reading some of the Twitter accounts of the Stephen King testifying at the Simon and Schuster uh, proposed merger thing. Well, Sarah and, Peretzky uh, has a piece on the editorial page yeah, of the Sun Times today. It's um, you know everybody's trying to consolidate. Everybody's trying to. You know, and it's understandable, you know, raise revenues, lower costs, you know, that's what businesses do. But like, there's no, if there was a formula for this, people would just do the formula. Yeah. You know, Harry Potter, like, was rejected 15 kajillion times. And I think the publisher's kids were like, oh, wizards and trains, like, you should check this out, you know. uh, um, Well, I want tortoise books to thrive, and I want you to thrive, and I want you people out there to pick up a copy of Alone on the Moon, a Soviet lunar odyssey. You'll be wildly entertained, but also it's a terribly thought-provoking book about ambition and about friendship and about uh, striving, striving, striving. Striving. Uh, good luck with this and good luck with Tortoise. Thanks so much, Rick. No, it it's a, always really great to pleasure. talk to you. And I can't wait to talk to your, those other authors about the new books when they come out.